More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. President Biden announced he will use executive actions on climate change. But it seems the fellow's bark is bigger than his bite because he's already stopping short of declaring a national emergency. Some on the left, the lunatic greens, they're not pleased. We'll get into all of this in tonight's Hold the Line. As president, I have a responsibility to act with urgency and resolve when our nation faces clear and present danger. And that's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. The health of our citizens and our communities is literally at stake. Joe Biden doesn't know what the word literally means. Welcome to Hold the Lawn. I'm Buck Sexton. It is literally a clear and present danger, and our communities are literally at stake. What does that even mean, Joe? Does he know? Does, it, does anyone even care? Just gibberish come out of Biden's mouth all the time now. It's just nonsense. Just spewing some talking points written on a very, very large prompter for him that other people have decided the puppet in chief needs to say. So here he is. Oh, he's standing in front of, it looks like the, the surface of the moon. And that's, where, what, that's what's going to happen to America and the whole world unless... We get rid of the cow farts because methane. I mean, this is really, this is like absurd beyond words. These people are out of their minds. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Americans don't care about this crap. Not normal Americans. Not Americans are just trying to like live their lives. People that believe in this climate change catastrophism are terrified of this, but they don't actually change their own lives. They want to control you. 
super wealthy elites who fly in private jets to Davos and want to talk about climate emissions globally, but they fly private, of course, all the time because they're important. Like John Kerry, for example, the climate czar. He only flies private, but he wants to lecture you about riding a bicycle. Use less air conditioning in your home. These people are, are a joke, but they're not funny. This is the problem. Joe Biden giving this speech today, the whole thing is absurd. His administration is a failure. We all know it. The guy's a clown. I don't know what else you can say about this other than even Democrats are embarrassed. It's hard to embarrass Democrats when it comes to policy. They believe some really stupid stuff. But Biden administration is a, speaking of catastrophism, it is a catastrophe. Here's a tweet from Biden today, written, of course, by one of his staffers, one of the left-wing activists who are now running the White House. My message today is loud and clear. Since Congress is not acting on the climate emergency, I will. In the coming weeks, my administration will begin to announce executive actions to combat this climate emergency. Uh, okay. Executive actions. First of all, the notion, and this, this goes back to the Obama administration when Joe Biden was the vice president that didn't do anything. Uh, but going back to the Obama administration, this notion of, I can't wait. I'm not going to look at Congress to act, or I won't, I won't wait for Congress to act. I'm just going to do this because I'm the president. It's not how the system works, actually. The president has some powers. Writing legislation is not one of them, right? Just directing changes in law and changes in action outside of executive purview as established through legislation or as established by constitutional uh, uh, prerogative. Th- those, that's not what's supposed to happen here. It's not what's supposed to go on. But it's Biden, and we're just happy that he's not showing up, you know, with uh, having forgotten his pants on stage or something and starts muttering total gibberish. And then the country has to deal with the real crisis moment of, oh, we really have to use, we have no choice. We have to use the 25th Amendment. Oh, but no, Joe, don't worry. Joe Biden's going to address the climate crisis right now because it's hot outside. So very simple minded people are going, it's too hot. So the president needs to deal with the heat right now because it's climate change. Here's his approach via executive order to address the extreme heat. Developing workplace heat standards. Um, Okay, yeah, I mean, people shouldn't be too hot in the workplace. I don't know what the federal government's really going to be doing about this. Providing cooling assistance to households and communities. He's going to give out free air conditioners? Is that the plan? Launching an innovation challenge on heat protection and identifying disproportionate heat impact. Oh, is that going to be, is that going to be that uh, there's too much too much heat in communities of color, and therefore the heat wave is racist. Is this where we're heading with this? Remember, there was tree equity, right? So there's, there's not enough trees. That's a real thing they talk about. There's not enough trees in, in, in what are uh, predominantly uh, communities of color. So now is it going to be the heat disproportionately impacts? Why not just say heat is more of an issue for people who can't afford air conditioning across the board? It's an economic issue that we could address. No, no. Has to fall into some kind of a a racial framework, and Biden gets to be the hero in this narrative, you know, addressing the racial inequities of the heat wave. That's the thing that they're going to be talking about. The things that people do care about, Biden is awful at handling, and his decision-making has made worse, all the spending, inflation, the economy, all that stuff. Um, But then there's also the, is Joe Biden really up for doing this job moment, which we have to keep having this, and always the conclusion is, no, he's not up for this. Here he is today. Remember, this is the commander in chief, most powerful man in the world, leader of the free world, allegedly. And he says stuff like this. And guess what? The first frost 
you know what was happening. It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. I mean, I'm being, I have what oil on their windows. And I have can't I and so many damn others people I grew up with have is Joe Biden. It sounded like he said that he has cancer, but I don't think that's what he meant to say. But that's kind of a big deal. You know, that would be really, really serious, obviously. Should be a little more clarity in what he says. Oh, oh, I know what they're going to say. Joe Biden overcame a childhood speech impediment. Look, I overcame a diagnosed and real childhood speech impediment. And every time I say something stupid, I don't go, oh, but I had a speech impediment as a child. So, uh, but this is what we have here, folks. We have a Biden administration that it just gets worse every day, honestly. Um, here's what we actually need to produce more fossil fuel because it's an enormous source of wealth for the American people. It's what our economy runs on. And CO2 emissions are not a problem. Let's repeat, CO2 emissions, not going to harm the globe, not going to melt down the planet. Former Energy Secretary under Trump, Rick Perry, for example, is saying, look, you just got to go back to the drawing board on this stuff. If you're looking for the answers, Mr. President, they're right here in America. You could open up the XL pipeline. You could open up our offshore drilling and our federal lands and get clean American energy into the mix here to address uh, this issue. Clean American energy to address this. Wouldn't that be great? Domestic energy production? No, instead, Biden wants to spend a whole bunch of money on Green New Deal items without really changing the way the economy, uh, way, way our energy economy functions. Senator Manchin's already said, though, he won't go along with it. Watch this. If they don't understand inflation is the number one critical factor that we have that's hurting every family and harming our economy right now, it's inflation. And I'm very much concerned. I have never changed my position. I'm not stringing anybody along. Hmm. Pretty straightforward. You know who's disappointed in though? arguably the dumbest person in the United States Congress, Senator Hirono of Hawaii. I think we ought to be focused on getting two more Democratic senators. And I've been saying that forever because the 50-50 Senate sucks. I would uh, prefer that he really support the president's agenda to a much clearer degree. What do you make of and so I am disappointed in his uh, attitude toward the need to address climate change. Honestly, I mean, you shouldn't trust that woman to teach preschool, but she's a senator. All right, we have more on this with senior editor at The Federalist, David Harsanyi, coming up. For a moment, though, let's talk about my friends at Jace Medical. Does the current nationwide shortage of infant formula have you asking, what next? You know that nearly 100% of our nation's supply of antibiotics is produced outside the United States, mainly in China and India. If we can't control our own domestically produced baby formula, what about all the life-saving medications produced overseas? Many experts predict that if there were a supply chain disruption in the pharmaceutical industry, pharmacies could run out of most antibiotics in a matter of weeks. Thankfully, there is a new service to help you prepare for such an event. Have you heard of the Jace case? It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, and skin infections. Every household needs at least one Jace case. Go to jacemedical.com buck right now and use the code word BUCK10 for $10 off your Jace case. That's code word BUCK10 for $10 off at jacemedical.com slash buck. Jacemedical.com slash buck. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. 
he's going to make it clear that just because Congress couldn't get it done, he is going to move forward with every power available to him to make the change in the shift to clean energy. That was Biden's climate advisor, Gina McCarthy, who's a loon, saying the president will move forward with every power available to him to get rid of fossil fuels. But apparently declaring a national emergency, well, he's not going to do that. That's taking it too far. Our next guest agrees. In his recent article, senior editor of The Federalist, David Harsanyi, writes, there is no emergency. Politicians might treat every hurricane, tornado, and flood as an apocalyptic event and then conveniently blame their political opponents for failing to reign in nature. But by every quantifiable measure, humankind is less affected by climate than ever before, despite the massive expansion of fossil fuel use, despite the explosion of the world's population, far fewer people die from the climate. David joins me to discuss. Sir, oh man, you, you want to make the libs so mad because they want to worship the climate gods. They do not want to be told that this is not something we all need to be scared of. <laughs> well, that's just one of the reasons why you shouldn't do it, that it's not really an emergency. Summer and high heat is not an emergency. It happens every year. Sometimes it's a little hotter, sometimes it's not as hot, but it is not an emergency. The real reason he shouldn't do it, the first reason he shouldn't do it, is because he has no power to do it. Um, when Congress specifically rejects his agenda, it is saying we are not doing it. That doesn't give you justification to do it through executive order. That literally tells you you can't do it. We just less than a month ago had a case, West Virginia EPA, where the Supreme Court said that the EPA could not have a bunch of bureaucrats making up uh, laws in the executive um, branch. And but Biden doesn't seem to care very much because he's going to move forward with some executive actions. The only reason he's not doing the emergency thing is I think, you know, his advisors told him that it, politically that would just backfire, considering we're in the middle of still historically high gas prices. So Biden said today in his speech exactly that, because Congress isn't doing what I want, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm just going to do it as if that's what the president's supposed to do. Watch this one. Climate change is literally an existential threat to our nation and to the world. So my message today is this. Since Congress is not acting as it should, and these guys here are, but we're not getting many Republican votes, this is an emergency, an emergency. And I will. I will look at it that way. I said last week, and I'll say it again loud and clear. As president, I'll use my executive powers to combat climate, the climate crisis in the absence of congressional action. Notwithstanding, there are. I mean, there's so much here that is wrong. Um, I would note, first of all, this this standing in front of like the barren wasteland of some dirt patch or something, you know, because that's what the oh, we can't understand the symbolism here. That's what the world is going to look like unless we take action. Uh, who are people just so stupid they believe this? I mean, I really like I just think that people that buy into this stuff are dumbasses, David. And I don't mean to be rude, but I think it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's true. I mean, I think that people who believe, you believe there's some warming going on, you know, that's yeah, sure. maybe true. Sure, if you no big deal, though. A, yeah, if you believe the world is a worse place now than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago for, for mankind, you're living in a complete fantasy. By every, as I mentioned there, by every quantifiable measure, things are better off for mankind. They, I wish you could see the graph right now of how, how many people used to die from uh, climate and extreme heat and extreme cold even more, and how many today do. We are 
in a great position to deal with changes in weather. It is a far cheaper and more moral way to deal with, with climate change for whatever extent it's happening than undoing modernity, getting rid of the only, literally the only kind of fuel we have that we know will always be there, which is reliable, which which is affordable, and just to get rid of it, it's insane. And I, I, I just don't understand how people, and by the way, I just quickly wanna say, at the same time as he's saying this, last week, or not the same time, but just last week, he was in Saudi Arabia begging them to drill more oil. It doesn't even make sense what they're saying. Mayor Pete's out there saying buy an electric car, but then they're, you know, they're begging other people to, to to drill more to help them bring down gas prices. It just doesn't even make sense. What is it about libs that their psychology just seems to latch on to this idea that the world is going to end unless we do things that, if we just look at them one by one, are objectively not only pointless, I mean, pointless is certainly the case, but often harmful with no upside, right? I mean, making, making energy, making things more expensive because you're worried about their usage destroying the planet in 50 years, this is like a fantasy, but it's one that's destructive. And it's also one that even if we did all the things they wanted, it wouldn't matter what China and India uh, doing what they want to do in the rest of the world, frankly. Uh, even now in Europe, they're starting to use coal more, not less, with what's going on with Russia. So uh, why should we destroy our economy when, when it won't even make a difference, even if we bought into everything they're saying? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think that they... That, the reason you want to pretend everything's an existential threat, and everything is, right? Net neutrality, uh, you know, come up with anything. It's, it's, a, it's an existential threat to democracy or our way of life. It's because that's the only way they know these days to try to sell their policy positions, is to scare people. And I think that only works to some extent, and then it, it you know, wears off. And I think we're at the point where it's wearing off pretty quickly. At Politico, where I'm sure they all will publicly say, it's an existential threat, and then, you know happy to hop on a, a plane ride to go to the vineyard with their buddies, you know, I mean, because, oh, climate change. But they write, President Joe Biden will announce new steps to combat climate change, but will stop short of declaring a national emergency that would unlock new tools for driving down greenhouse gases. I mean, I, I'm just so curious. Do we know what would they want him to do? Like, what are they what would get a big standing ovation from the green energy and Green New Deal fans out there in our media, David. Like, I just want to know what they think would be a good idea so I can understand how terrified of their stupidity I should be. Well, it depends who you're talking to, but real greens, I think they just want to destroy the fossil fuel industry, essentially nationalize it and then and then slowly or not that slowly, just get rid of it in 20, 20 years now, I guess. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I'm not sure how 90, 7% of the cars are going to run once they do that. I'm not sure how we're going to heat our homes or anything like that. Um, but but think about it this way. Man, this is all going on because Manchin wouldn't vote for a, a bill that Democrats wanted. They keep mentioning Republicans, but Democrats can't pass this on a party line either. So they keep mentioning that, but that was just some more extra spending for like green energy projects and some more spending and subsidies for electric cars. It's not as if it was some you know revolutionary undoing of, of, of capitalism and the oil industry. So this is all just kind of just formative stuff that they always do. They think it's a winner. I don't think so. Not during a gas crunch and, and inflation. I just don't think it's a winner with most people. I don't think most people care. It's amazing. Here we are. Libs are lunatics. But David, appreciate <laughs> the common sense, sir. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. 
The House of Representatives passed the $840 billion National Defense Authorization Act last week, close to $40 billion more than the Biden administration asked for. We come back, Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs will explain his reasons for voting against the legislation. But right now, let's talk about defending your most valuable asset, your home. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a recent story about an Arizona real estate agent that found the home she lived in was listed for sale. The problem was she wasn't selling her home. She was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime happening all over the country. According to the experts at Home Title Lock, the crime is incredibly profitable and hard to detect. An identity thief simply creates a fake title transfer for your home and refiles as the new owner. Then he can take out loans on your home or sell it. Typical identity theft services don't cover you and neither does homeowner's insurance, but Home Title Lock does. The instant they detect anybody messing with your title, they shut it down. Here's what you should do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck sent you to get 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com, again, HomeTitleLock.com. Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs up next. Stay with us. This is the bill that determines ultimately what we're going to do with the military. And so this spending bill is going to be north of $800 billion. It'll be the most expensive bill um, of, on military spending in the country's history. A vote of 329 to 101, the House of Representatives easily passed the $840 billion National Defense Authorization Act. The bill includes $37 billion increase over Biden's budget, 4.6% pay raise for service members, and an additional $1 billion for Ukraine. The bill also has some shady amendments thrown in by Democrats, including one from Adam Schiff that would hide any information collected by the U.S. military for use in congressional investigations. I wonder what that would be in there for. Congressman Andy Biggs voted against this NDAA. He joins us now to explain why. Congressman, good to see you again, sir. Good to be with you, Buck. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with this one. You tweeted this out, uh, that I am opposing many of the woke measures found in the 2023 NDAA. If this legislation passes, we'll keep seeing headlines like these. Navy training video tells sailors how to use correct pronouns. Army cuts off more than 60,000 unvaccinated guard and soldiers. Top generals defend studying CRT in the military. What's all that stuff doing in the NDAA? <laughs> well, there's even more than that stuff in it that has nothing to do with military at all. That, that doesn't even apply to military. So uh, th this, what's, what's happened is the Democrats have started using the NDAA as kind of a, another slush, slushy policy bill kind of the way they use the budget. So what they do is uh, they put in the Safe Banking Act, which kind of, uh, for instance, gets to how you how do you uh, bank marijuana sales proceeds, you know, so you, so you can legalize that. That's never been able to pass on its own. But when you stick it with the military, oh, guess what? All of a sudden, people say, well, we got to have, we got to fund the military, which of course we do. But they stick everything in in there they possibly can. And this is where I think Republicans miss the boat because we should be leveraging that because they can't get it passed without Republicans, even with all that garbage in it. So we could get them to take some of that stuff, more of that stuff out and put in some, I don't know, border security issues or energy stuff. House Armed Services Chairman Adam Smith on the passing of the NDAA uh, uh, said this, as the legislative process continues, 
I thank my House colleagues for their thoughtful contributions and support of this year's NDAA. There's a lot to be proud of in this bill, and the stakes for our country's national security could not be higher. I mean, uh, well, let me ask you, what would be a better NDAA? Or like, what, what, what could you do to make this something that you would have been excited to vote for? Because they keep it very broad, don't they, when they talk about this? Hey, it's about national security. It's a lot of, lot of money. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's right. So first thing is, is is eliminate all the social engineering policy, the the uh, you know the gender uh, woke uh, workforce that they have, you know that they're putting in there. The the money going to foreign countries to inspire them to be woke and do uh, transgender uh, issues as well. So what what you do is you start paring it back. You might have an audit of the DOD, you know, because we've never had a full audit of the DOD and and a few years ago, uh, a, a study was done estimating $125 billion worth of waste every year. Maybe you would do something like that. Maybe you would um, uh, make sure that we had all of our funding is going for material training and for our military men and women. And instead of giving them a 4.9% uh, raise, you might say, let's give them something that, that inspires the best that we can get in there by giving them a real pay raise that works in an inflationary environment. And also uh, make sure that they don't have to pay for their uniforms. Make sure, make sure that, that we have everything that we need to have the best fighting force as strong as we can. And guess what? You still probably save $200 billion off the spend uh, from that $850 billion. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, your colleague in the House, tweeted out, about this NDAA vote that I also voted no on the NDAA because it contains zero hard-earned American taxpayer dollars for our own border security, which is being invaded. That is a direct failure of the stated mission to secure our nation. We are not Ukraine. No, no border funding in there? That, that's interesting, considering that Biden administration's hitting all-time records month to month here for illegal immigration, as well as for all the fentanyl pouring across the border, all-time highs hitting uh, for uh, overdoses. Uh, seems like that's a security issue. Yeah, it's a real security issue. But, but Marjorie's right, and you're right. The Biden administration wants an open border, so they facilitate uh, an open border. They incentivize people to come, and then we don't enforce our own laws that exist. We um, make sure that everybody's so busy processing and transporting and, and put an imposition on them that they send these illegal aliens into our country immediately, as closely as uh, in time as we catch them. That we miss a lot of the drug runners, we miss a lot of the human traffickers, we miss a lot of the more violent people and the human, you know, the terrorist people on the terrorist watch list coming across. This is it, it, absolutely abhorrent because uh, actually you wouldn't need to put so much money there uh, and when I talk to Border Patrol agents on a regular basis like I do, they always tell me, you know, yeah, we'd like more resources, but you know what we'd really like? How about some policy that lets us enforce the laws we were trained to enforce and that are already on the books? And uh, uh, that's that's not going to happen under this administration. I'm, I'm sorry to say another record in month in June, Buck. And also, uh, you know, they're still continuing. This is related to national security, but not the NEAA with these. January 6 hearings in Congress. We got another one coming up here. What 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 is the point of this at this stage? I mean, I, I know that they're going to say it's about making sure that our democracy is never threatened again or something like that. But have we even learned anything from the hearings? 
No, we have found some people who've committed perjury, and we've uh, heard uh, members of this committee make outrageous claims. And I mean, I'm still waiting for uh, Raskin said that that the the revelations are going to blow the lid off the Capitol. Uh, I'm still waiting for the lid to go off. Uh, now Adam Schiff, just like, and these are the same guys who always talked about the Russian hoax, right? They, oh yeah, and it's coming up. We're going to find out. There's going to be proof. Well, now Adam Schiff says tomorrow night, tomorrow night's going to be really remarkable. It's going to be a whole new set of information. And you know what? The American people, uh, they've wisely tuned out because they said, this is garbage. It's distracting. And the reality is more people are concerned about how much it costs to put gas in their car, put bread on the table, make decisions of whether they can afford to get to work or not than they are about whether there's this faux hearing going on that nobody believes is fair. No, it, nobody believes it's fair, not even the Democrats. Surely they can't believe it. Congressman Biggs, always appreciate you making the time, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Buck. Take care of yourself, man. Between falling test scores, a teacher's union that lobbied for school closures during the pandemic, and the infusion of critical race theory into classrooms, Americans are growing increasingly frustrated with the American public school system. We'll have more on that with Ines Stepman of the Independent Women's Forum in a moment. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. It costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. With the devastating effects of COVID-19, school closures becoming clearer by the day, it's no wonder that Americans are growing increasingly frustrated with the U.S. public school system. According to a recent Gallup poll, 28% of Americans say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the institution, a number that drops to 14% among registered Republicans. So just why has the image of America's public schools taken such a hit over the past year? Join me now to give her insight, Senior Policy Analyst at the Independent Women's Forum, Ines Stepman. Ines, great to see you again. Always great to be here. So what's going on here? And, and how, how big a drop is it when you're looking at support for the public school system? Has there been a massive and durable shift in sentiment? Um, well, there definitely has been a massive shift in sentiment. It remains to be seen uh, whether that's durable. I think that largely depends on Republicans and whether or not they deliver on priorities that parents want, like actual school choice, broad-based school choice for middle-class families in particular, getting woke curriculum out of schools, um, and actually doing something to address the 
amazing both mental and academic deficit of closing schools unconscionably for two years. Um, those are the real priorities, and I think we'll see this endure um, if if Republicans actually take advantage of it and and use this time to actually dismantle this public school system. Now it's me talking about dismantling systems um, to dismantle this traditional public school system that has not served parents well, especially over the last two years, but really for decades now. Is there a sense that the teachers unions are specifically uh, to blame when it comes to the shutdowns and the, you know, the just the joke that was distance learning for so many people, uh, for so many children? Um, or, or is it just more of a generalized frustration with the system? Because I feel like if it's just the system, to your earlier point, maybe people will be like, okay, well, I guess we'll go back to it and they'll forget about what was done to them. Yeah, I think it's really a two-pronged thing. The first prong being what you just outlined. Um, the system showed so blatantly that it operates for the benefit of the adults who are paid by the system. And the teachers unions are first in line for that. Uh, and not at all for, for the benefit of the children who are supposedly our taxpayer dollars are paying for education. Um, but but I think the second prong is equally important to the durability of this kind of disillusionment. And that is during that time, it was a lot of parents because they were forced um, to, to have their kids do Zoom school at home. It was the first time they actually confronted some of the materials that were being taught and some of the ideology that was being taught in the public schools. And frankly, I think a lot of parents were shocked to discover how far the politicization, how far the far left ideology had actually you know, extended into their local public schools. And I don't think that, um, you know, that anger, that disappointment, that disillusionment with the public schools, I think that is not going away because unfortunately the public schools are not going to stop attempting to teach CRT, to teach gender ideology to, you know, kindergartners or third graders, right? Um, they're not gonna stop until they're stopped by actually putting incentives in the system for parents to, to be able to wield their money and get out if public schools are not, um, are not listening listening to what they want in terms of what their, their children are being taught. What's going on in New York City, the largest school district in terms of student population in the country, or largest school system, I should say. New York City is projecting an enrollment loss of another 30,000 students this fall. Do we have some, they, I know they were, they were losing students before this. Do we have some sense as to what's driving this and, and is it likely to continue? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's it's beyond what the enrollment has been dropping over time. Some of this is partially demographic, right? You had millennials being the children of the baby boomers, the largest generation in American history. Um, and, and so right now when we're, we have Gen Z kids um, and then even younger than Gen Z, right, uh, in school now, it's, it's a, a demographic dip. So some of this declining enrollment is demographic, but that is not, I mean, this is way, way beyond that, in, especially in places like New York City, um, places like San Diego, where they're going to reimpose a mask mandate on indoor gathering, right? Um, th this is a much bigger shift than, frankly, has ever happened in recent history in the public schools. And it shows that parents are looking for alternatives, um, you know, and, and there will be people who step up to meet that demand, especially if we back parents by giving them control over the dollars that we are spending for their kids. Um, there's no reason that check should go directly to Randy Weingarten in New York or anywhere else. That check should go to parents and parents should decide uh, what schools or what educational program um, suits their, their kids best, not just for an individual learning level, but also from a values perspective and, and what values their kids are being taught in school. And, well, you mentioned Republicans before and their response to this. Who's doing this right in their state? And, and what do you wanna see more of 
uh, given, I think, how, how much the public school system as it stands, uh, certainly a, a, in a national sense, uh, we learned that there's a lot that needs to be changed. So who's doing it the right way? Uh, there are two states that come to mind immediately. The first is, of course, the, the stellar example on all kinds of things, Florida, right, under Governor DeSantis, um, who has expanded school choice, who's also been really aggressive um, about making sure that public schools know that they are actually serving at the will of parents, that they, they do not have the right to independently put in radical curriculum that, in fact, standards and curriculum come from the state legislature, which is a representative of the people, and then come through um, through parents into the school boards. We know that that mechanism of accountability is somewhat broken, and that's why we really need school choice. But th those have been things that Florida has done really, really well. And then Arizona just passed uh, the biggest education savings account program in the country. It, it expands to nearly all families in Arizona, um, and that's going to give every family control over those dollars that again are already being spent on behalf of their kids. Um, and if they want to continue to go to the public school, they can. But even if you continue to go to the public school, having those dollars in your back pocket and having the threat of walking in your back pocket, which a lot of middle class families have not had up till now, that's going to change the conversation in those school board meetings. That's going to change the conversation in the principals meeting, right? When you say, hey, you know, me and 50 of my neighborhood uh, friends, you know, we're not happy with what our kids are learning. Um, and if, if we continue to be unhappy, we're going to take those millions of dollars out of your salary. We're going to walk. That's really the ultimate thing that's going to shift anything in our public school system is, is that incentive. San Diego School District, by the way, uh, here has their president telling everybody about the Reimposition of the school mask mandate. Watch this one. Parents who, who don't want to wear a mask indoors in school, are there any other options for them? For the fall, there are some options. They can go to our uh, school that's online. Um, they can opt not to return to the regular school, but to go to the school where they don't have to go to school at all other than via Zoom. Yeah. And um, that's the easiest way for folks. What who about don't the want summer school? What if they were already enrolled in the summer school and now they get this mask mandate and they're not comfortable with wearing a mask? They really should wear the mask. But and if they're not, not comfortable, uh, what should they do? They should just let make it known that they don't feel comfortable and at that point just not return. Don't come back if you don't want to wear a mask at this stage, two years into the pandemic. Are, are, are there a lot of parents? in states like California who are frustrated with this at this point? Do you think they're just going to go along with it? Um, I think parents are frustrated even in, in places like California. I mean, heck, even in places like San Francisco, there are parents that are frustrated with this. Um, the entitlement of the school system on issues like this has been unbelievable. But again, that's an entitlement that's been bred over you know decades of parents having no choices and very little power um, within this system. So that's what we've seen in the last two years, and it continues now. It's pure entitlement. Really frustrating. Inez, appreciate the expertise. Good to see you. Thanks, bud. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is demanding help to deal with the influx of illegal immigrants into the Big Apple. Hmm, interesting. When it affects your city, things seem to change. We'll have the video for you in tonight's Quick Hits. Stay with us. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is asking for help to deal with the influx of illegal migrants into the Big Apple. And... Pete Buttigieg just can't understand. Why don't Americans just buy electric cars, man? What's the big deal? Those stories and more in Quick Hit. Let's get to it. Now, we are always told that 
illegal migrants, Democrats tell us that illegal migrants are um, more hardworking than Americans of, of all backgrounds, uh, that illegal migrants are a, always just a net positive for the economy, that there's no downside at all. In fact, it's only upside unless you're a racist, in which case you might think that the whole illegal part of being an illegal migrant is not a good thing. But it's interesting because the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, is saying, hold on a second, the influx of illegal migrants is actually a burden on resources in the city of New York. Watch this one. This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our, uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, translation services, there's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce. And that's why we need, we need help in getting this done and we need the right coordination to make it happen. The taxpayers are paying for this, of course, and illegals are gonna require more of those taxpayer dollars than are already currently allocated which means that resources will be stretched, which means that there is a challenge here from this. Oh, and it's illegal on top of that, but interesting, isn't it? It's reality all this. Oh my gosh, I have to deal with the reality of this. And then they change their minds a little bit. Pete Buttigieg, by the way, he is the transportation secretary, even though when he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, it was apparently the case that he couldn't get the potholes filled in that cute little town. He, though, is astonished because Gas prices are really high, as we know. Democrats hate fossil fuels. They hate oil and gas. They think it's so bad. So why don't you just do what the obvious thing to a bunch of elitist rich libs is, which is to forget about the whole gas buying thing altogether. altogether. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to get yourself an electric car, and then you're good to go, man. No problem. Here's Mayor Pete. I'm still astonished that, that some folks, uh, and, and I, I felt this, I was testifying in Congress yesterday, um, some folks seem to really uh, struggle to let go of the status quo. The status quo, as in the car that they own, that they paid money for, that still uses gas, which, by the way, is far more efficient, especially for long, long, uh, long journeys, long voyages in the car. Uh, than trying to find the charging station that, if you've actually read recent Wall Street Journal reporting on this, you'd know, involves sometimes a three-hour charge period. Gas station, you go in, you put gas in the car, you're good to go, you drive, you got a couple hundred miles of uh, roadway you can take down with that, right? But electric car can take a few hours. Just hang out at that charging station for a few hours every time you need to stop over the course of a long road trip. So yeah, Mayor Pete, his uh, let them eat cake moment. Marie Antoinette never really said that, but it still is one of those quotes that's too good even though it's fake, so people use it anyway. A, oh my God. I, I, mm. A pro-abortion activist on TikTok graphically details abortion is survival of the fittest. Look, at this point, we don't need to talk about whether or not an unwanted parasite in the womb of a female is considered a baby or not. It's irrelevant. Let's talk about Darwinism, you know? Survival of the fittest. I'm not gonna be the one to disprove this theory, right? So if I get knocked up and like, I don't want it, boom, Darwinism, you're gone. I'm the strongest, survival, <laughs> take that bitch. It's just called tough love. Demonic. 
and stupid beyond words. Evil, too. Speaking of stupid, David Hogg interrupted the House Judiciary hearing on guns because David Hogg is all about attention for David Hogg. Watch. The shooter at my high school, anti-Semitic, anti-black, and racist. The shooter in El Paso described it as an invasion. Guess what? Those guns are coming from the United States of America. They are coming from Mexico. They are not coming from Mexico. You are reiterating the points of a mass shooter, sir. Sir, you are perpetuating this violence. You need to realize this is not the house. A Democrat or Republican, stop these things now. Ah, we probably shouldn't have even shown you that moron because that's what he wants, but at least you know what a dumbass he is. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 